you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Hi, everybody. It's Melissa. And this is Dane. And we're glad to be back with you this week. One of the things I was looking at, that's our dog's tail banging on a piece of furniture. Are you drumming a drum, Hanyo? she loves it when we do this but one of the things I was thinking about is lately I think you know this Dane but lately I've been a part of two different women's projects on how women connect with horses in different ways one was a coaching one through Carrie Hayes that I think went really well. Several thousand people listened to the podcast that we did for that one. And another one from a woman named Helena Doss, and it just went out this last weekend. And in both of those, we were asked as speakers to speak our truth and then also to offer a gift to the public. And I utilized an article from a book that I was in where I wrote a story about things that horses had taught me in my life. And I used something called the four rules of life. So I wanted to start there and then kind of you and I share, and we don't do any scripting in this, so I'm hitting him cold with this. But start with like, what are the rules we learned about life? And what are the truisms and things that, whether it's from our parents or from friends or just from life itself or wise people we've come across, what are some of the things that that kind of frame our life? Are you okay with that discussion? Sure. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Bring it on. You're always so game. It's great. Well, let me start, and then maybe this will warm you up a little bit too, but very briefly, if you want this article, you can reach out to us at office at Touched by a Horse, and they'll be glad to send it to you. And I think it's on my website, but I hate saying that and have it not be there. So either way, ask the office. They'll be glad to to email it over. And these four rules of life, they actually came to me when I had the honor of working with a woman who's now no longer on the planet, but her name was Angelis Aryan. And Angelise told us that there were these four rules and she had never found a situation in life where these four rules didn't apply. And for me, that really captured my brain. Like, really? At never? No situation ever? And I'll say it's been 40 years ago and I haven't seen a situation <laughs> where I think I can't apply these four rules. They're that basic, I guess, to being on the planet successfully. So the first one is showing up. And I write in the story, a story about how a horse touchingly, lovingly taught me as a very young child in sixth grade to show up in life. And the story will make you cry, but a really beautiful story about the importance of showing up. And later in life, when my daughter Molly was born and she was in the newborn intensive care unit, I had a lot of friends and very few of them showed up. Like, I mean, (laughs) very few. And this one guy who I'd been in a gestalt group with, he just showed up at the hospital and he said, I have nothing to say. I don't know what I could offer to help you. I just wanted to be here. And it meant the world to me. It was that time in life when showing up matters a great deal, you know? Right. And I always feel you're that person too. You show up in life. You show up when the chips are down, when times are good, when times are bad. 
you're not afraid to say, well, I don't have to have the right thing to say or the perfect thing to do or the best manners in the room, but I have my heart and I show up for people. and, And I love that about you. And the second rule is to speak your truth. And I find as a therapist and a coach that a lot of my work is in helping people learn what their truth is and find their truth and then to share their truth for sure. Now my dog is drinking water out of a bowl. That's the background. Dude, please. And so really speaking your truth, I add the word faster, like the faster you can get to your, your heart's truth, which is not, your truth is never making someone else wrong or making it about somebody else. It should be your truth about you, how I feel personally, or how I see something personally, owning your truth, standing in your truth and being strong in your truth. The third rule is one in our culture we're not taught, which is to truly listen. And I train my coaches a deep dive in listening. What makes listening, what is listening, how to get better as a listener. They spend a great deal of their training doing active, experiential exercises for becoming phenomenal listeners, and they are. So to truly listen. Now, the fourth rule is the trickiest. So uh, this is where I find, you know, to show up, even if you're nervous about how to or what to say or what to do or how to act, but just to arrive and show up at the situation, to speak your truth from your the back of your heart, to truly listen and be there for someone else really listening. The last one's the tricky one, which is don't be attached to the results. And that takes maturity. That takes groundedness. That takes trust, that takes vulnerability, that takes knowing that a higher source has us. All of those things come into that don't be attached to the results. Don't force things, right? Don't know that if you have a family member who's crossing to the other side of the veil and I've lost my daughter and my family and many experiences with this, that what is not okay in my world to hope for, to pray for, to pull, to manipulate, and to make happen is how I want it. I'm always saying whatever is in the best interest of that person, whatever is in the best interest of who they are, and whatever is in the best interest for them is what I pray for and want. So anyway, those are the four rules. In the book, in the article that we send you, it's four stories of distinct times horses taught me each one of those rules or reaffirmed each one of those rules. So so that's that one. I don't know that you've ever heard me speak about those, babe. No, I haven't. Yeah, one of the things that I was pretty much taught, you know, from my parents is, you know, being respectful mm-hmm. to other people and I guess a lot of the respect has to do with listening, you know, and then sort of putting yourself in other people's shoes, so to speak, you know, and empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My mom always told me niceness breeds niceness. It's it's just, just a thought, you know? Yeah. That's what we're talking about today. So I remember the first time you said that to me, I think I was cranky with you and you said, Hey, 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 niceness breeds niceness. And I thought, what a nice way to say that. (laughs) I felt like a puppy that had two fingers smacked on her nose, but yeah, it's true. The nicer we are to someone, the nicer they're able to be with us. And 
and not to be a, a rug by any means, but to interact with people respectfully and nicely is absolutely true. So I think that's good. I think for me, a lot of my work is in assisting people in making peace with their past so it doesn't pollute their present. Maybe that sounds funny, but we all have triggers in life. And most of the clients that I work with have some something in the foreground that brings them to see me in the first place, something that's bothering them. And it's often something happening in their 2022 present day life. They're not getting along with a certain person or they've got a loss that's really bothering, whatever it is. And part of Gestalt and the art of Gestalt at the level that I do it is listening to hear underneath it if there's a lot of reaction to the trigger and finding where it began. Because we can have something that happened when we were four or five years old that we've hung on to and replayed in our brain a few times to where it's imprinted. And now we're 40 years old and a similar situation, not the situation, but a similar one comes up and we don't know why it's upset us so much. It's like, why am I so upset about this? And the reason why is because as a four-year-old, maybe you weren't able to express yourself or you weren't able to protect yourself or you weren't able to scream the scream you wanted to scream or whatever it was way back then. And so when something comes really close, it triggers that emotion. And I find people are struggling with things in their everyday life. And if they can make peace with their past, it doesn't have to pollute their present. And they're less triggered. They're never triggered on it again after they work with me, but less, less triggered on it for sure. So that's what you see people here that you take them out to the airport or, you know, whatever. Right. And they, they tell you things like, wow, I feel so light now, you know, whatever. It came in heavy and, and leaving light. Right. Yeah. I remember, uh, it was actually, you, you were speaking of telling your truth. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh. I was talking with, uh, Amanda's husband, boyfriend, Mm -hmm. Gabe yesterday, and I was telling him how I can't keep a secret. Oh, my heart's pounding as he's adding this to the podcast. Very off script. There's no script, but very off script. Yeah. So yeah. I was just telling him my truth. You yeah, know? that is your yeah. truth. Yeah. So we laugh about when Assange was busted on WikiLeaks for, you know, leaking out things he shouldn't be leaking. And Dane's last name is Cheek. And so we call him Cheeky Leaks. Yeah. <laughs> we don't give him secrets. And so if somebody's having a surprise party or something, we tell him last. So, yeah, that's true. True, but I yeah. love it. It's be- I think it's because you like sharing. You really do. You love yeah. connecting and sharing and being with people. And, and so the whole idea of anything, you know, being private is beyond you. Yeah. <laughs> You're pretty Not a good spy. There. Not a good spy. No, <laughs> not a good spy. I'd make a lousy judge. You'd make a lousy spy. I always say if I heard the prosecution, I'd be like, yeah, put him away for life. And then the next one's the defense. I'd go, well, I didn't know all that. So now let's let him go. So I'd be all over the map. I would make a terrible judge and you'd make a terrible spy for sure. That's good. I think one that came up at the recent circle that I was sitting in was how often people rob themselves of their own good feelings, I guess, about themselves by comparing their life to others or comparing where they are in life to others or how life is going for them. And I I see it often. We're a very uh, non-competitive group, my graduates. I work 
hard as alpha mare in this herd to make sure they know they each have distinct and unusual gifts. And this isn't about comparing one, you know, to another. But I see that so often where people compare themselves to somebody else. Do you notice that in your friends? I mean, do men do it as much as women? I don't think so. Really? Well, maybe a little bit more feminine. Maybe it's just on the uh, competitive side, how men want to compete against one another. It just depends on how much that person wants to put that out there. And maybe for women, it's on what we have and how we appear in the world. But and the men that I know that get caught in it comparing to others, it's usually more career-based right? Or, or financially based, you know, in that way. But really, there's no benefit to your own soul by doing it ever and on anything. But I think that has been more prevalent as I was younger than it is that I'm older. Yeah, yeah. I think it's maturing, right? right? We stopped doing some of that nonsense. A book that came into my life, gosh, a long time ago, probably in the early 90s. I'm sure you can still find it somewhere, but you may have to find it like a used copy on eBay or whatever. But it's a fantastic book. It's called Finite and Infinite Games. The author is James Carse, C-A-R-S-E. What I loved about the book, well, for one, it's one of those books that you can open to any page and get a little gem out of it. So it's a small book. It's not a thick book. But what he sets up is there's things in life that are finite. Like I would say with you, like a football game. So it's finite where the spectators sit. And it's finite that it's, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's four 15-minute quarters. There's a halftime. There's a certain day. The game's going to start at a certain time, very specific time. There's a certain team playing a certain team. And I think every one of those little goofballs running around in a uniform have a role that they play, right? One's a a wingback or whatever. So they all have that. So they're finite roles and finite rules that go with it. So that's a finite game. But life and achievement in life is not finite. So in other words, I'm an entrepreneur. I've had my career. You've watched me for 18 years in my career. And I certainly had it for 20 before that, in which there's no point in me comparing it to anyone else because I had the chronically ill daughter that was in and out of the hospital. I had to factor that. I had the horse life. I had, you know, all the factors that I had are very different factors from someone else, whether it's my opportunities in education or the people that I've met or how much time I could put into my career as opposed to putting it into my family. I mean, all of that is my circumstance, right? So nobody else who I see as more successful than me or less or earlier on the chain of success than me are me. I mean, there's no way to compare it. And if more people, I think, looked at life that way, when they're creating something, especially you're creating, whether you're creating an entrepreneurial pursuit, some kind of a career for yourself, or you have an advocation, you're an artist and you want to get your art out in the world, you're a songwriter, whatever it is, instead of saying, well, I'm, I'll never be the songwriter that James Taylor is, that's not the comparison you want to make. You want to say for my place in life and my age and my exposure and my this, we're all unique, right? It's all totally different. So gosh, I, I struggle with people and, and the finite and infinite games book 
is that reminder. And it's so well written. It's such a cool little book. And you you get off track and you think, oh, I wish I had a farm as pretty as so-and-so's farm. No, come back to Finite and Infinite Games and you'll see exactly, you know, where you are. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. Our equine gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our master equine gestaltist program builds your gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. What you teach a lot is the typology. True, temperament. Yeah, yeah. yeah, temperament and typology. That's true. How do you see that? Well, just sort of how it, whether you want to pursue it or not, or think mm-hmm. about it, or... Mm-hmm. Whether you're organized with it, right, or yeah, yeah. spontaneous. It's, it's just yeah. every, everybody's yeah. own little method of how right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. it, it turns out. You're right. Yeah, that that's... Uh, I don't know if we've done a podcast on that yet, but typology or temperament, we follow David Kiersey, is who trained me, the Kiersey Bates, and that's what's in my book, Equisology, around horses and their temperament. But for humans, you either are extroverted or you are introverted. You either are a fact-based person or a more visual architect of your life. You're right. Or an organized versus a spontaneous. There's all these different ways to do it. There's a lot of different sorters like that. I think none of them can be beat over Kiersey. Kiersey's, to me, the top one to look at. And so, yeah, that factors in heavily, doesn't it, in where somebody is and whether they should be compared, you know, in any way at all. We all have different backgrounds, different messages that have come to us. And for sure, you know, comparing your life to somebody else's life is never a good idea. You know, you have yours. Yours is unique. It's your gift to you. And, and what you do with it is up to you, right? You know, but, but comparing your successes against others, you know, it also teaches you a lesson on how they got there, you know, with, with, the, yeah. with the way that they've treated others, with mm-hmm. the way that they've been treated, the way, I mean, there's a lot to it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with all that. Maybe the way I say it, I guess, is how we hold life, you know, right, how we look right. at it and how we hold it. But I just know for me, my heart is never, never happy when I'm viewing my life, comparing it to somebody else. Just uh, to me, we're all on a level playing field. We have the same 24 hours a day. People will definitely ask me, what do you think the secret to your success has been? So I get that question because I am pleased with my success. I'm happy with my success. I'm very content where I am in life. And I do believe that what that is, is I've never been afraid of taking action. And gosh, I work so hard with people to say success is a direct connection of action that you're taking. And if you prepare all the time to take action instead of taking it, it doesn't get you anywhere. And some people have that temperament, you're exactly right, that says, oh, I can't take action till I have it perfect. And gosh, I never would have accomplished most of what I've done in my life yeah, if I had to wait until I, I it was, was perfect. 
just discussing that with somebody the other day on how you're one of the people that I know that takes action and then just sort of goes your way down the road <laughs> and, and, until it sort of works out. Kind of perfect it as I go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That just takes me back to when we were dating and you told, I think it was Marty at your work, he said, we were just starting, he said to you, well, what, what does she do anyway? Like, what does she do for a living? And you told, he told me, you said, well, she just really good at making stuff up and taking action on it. And, and like, it all just, just works out like really, really well, you yeah, know, making yeah. stuff up and getting paid well for it. So yeah, I think that that's true. And gosh, I see people who are beautiful artists we had at the retreat. I was just at a beautiful artist and I watched how she stopped herself from owning that part of herself and being proud of that part of herself and putting that part of herself out in the world. And I, I really hope, you know, that she'll do that because you don't have to be where you're going to be 20 years later with your art. You have to be where you are now, where you are today, right? Yeah. So yeah, boy, oh boy, oh boy. So I'm a big feeler and you're a big feeler. You cry at the drop of hat and so do I. And I think for me, I'm rarely guilty of overthinking something. I think it's totally okay not to know the answer. So to me, that's another kind of cardinal rule of life is stop thinking, stop overthinking. It's okay not to know the answers. I think you live that way as well. It's yeah. okay not to know the answers. Have curiosity you know, check things out, figure them out as you go along. So yeah, and that has one. to go back to the whole, don't worry about the result. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Let go of worrying about what the results are going to be and keep working along. I took something off my wall today that I thought, oh, maybe that would be part of a podcast. But I'm a big fan of John C. Maxwell. And he's written many, many books on leadership. That's his forte is on leadership. But he has this funny quote, and I keep it on the wall in my office. And it says, you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. So the more times you hear that, <laughs> you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. I just think that's a humbling quote. If we get ourselves all wound up about stuff, what's really important is those that we love know they're loved, right? I think that's like cardinal, that people that I love know that I love them. That's, that's huge for me. And that those very simple things in life, that the animals that I take into my life are well cared for and know that they're well cared for, that they don't have to worry about a next meal or a next thing to do. So all of these are part of that. You cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. It's a great quote for sure. You and I saw a funny show. I don't remember how we saw it. It was on TV about a lady with a farm called The Funny Farm. Oh, yeah. That? That yeah. was so cool. Yeah. She had... Um, it's like a Netflix thing or was something. It? Yeah. yeah, it's called The Funny Farm. If you can find it, I don't know, stream it somewhere. But she's this woman that has this property. I think she has 100 acres or something. And all these animals that would be natural predator, prey competitors, or animals that you'd never see out in nature together are buddied up. They're all rescue animals. Some of them have big health defects. One was a goose, and the goose from the time it was born, its wings were 
broken backwards and so it doesn't fly and it walks with these little wings kind of out to the side and that goose's best friend was a cow and the cow came to them with I think a cut in her face or something so anyway this lady has just all these animals it's it's a little Noah's arkish but there isn't two of any animal it's it's best friends and you know the tiger and the rabbit or best friends kind of a thing but the premise at the end of the show that I found really wonderful was they asked her, the person asked her, well, gosh, these animals, a lot of times out in the wild, they like eat each other and kill each other and stuff. And she said, well, they're out in the wild. They're concerned about their existence. They're concerned about finding the next meal. They're concerned about needing to hunt so that they have what they need. And here they're all well-fed and well taken care of. Everything's provided so they can all get along. They can all just get along. There's a lesson in life on that one too. Just people not having to feel that, you know, well, if you get that client, that's one less client for me is not the way to look at that. It should be, you've got that client that's one more person being assisted in what you do. Good for you, right? And I, I love that our community pretty much takes that attitude of, if I can help you succeed and you help that person, we all benefit, we all do well. And gosh, if you can see The Funny Farm, it's really a sweet documentary for sure. Sort of like the karma thing. What comes around goes around. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And and having people not feel scarcity. They right. should feel abundance. This world has a lot of abundance. I know that it's pretty easy to listen to the news and to look at, you know, the things that are going on out in the world, whether it's politically or health-wise or climate-wise or whatever it may be, and get discouraged. But nobody else is in charge of my happiness and joy but me, right? And and that's true for each of us. We're in charge of finding our way. We don't own all these problems in the world. You come back to each present moment and lean into friendship and lean into joy and lean into what is good in our life. And that's, I think, where we balance. I was just thinking maybe we should hang this over the TV so when we watch the news, we can remember you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. <laughs> be a good thing to be reminded of after watching the news in the evening for sure. Well, I believe we do. We discover who we are in this world, not with one single action, but with the repeated actions. And I know that if repeated actions are in love and compassion and kindness and not in judgment or comparison, that it is totally possible to create all of the joy and ease that we want in our lives. We thank you guys for listening to our crazy non-scripted podcast. Hope you enjoy it. If you have other topics for us to broach or to speak about or to chat about, we would love to hear them. You can always send an email to me, Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-A at touchbyhorse.com. You can reach out to my office Monday through Friday and they'll be happy to get you things from our store, copy of Equisology. If you're interested in Gestalt, my book, What in the Heck is Gestalt? is a popular book for people who don't know what Gestalt is and they're querying whether that's a good thing for their life. I just got the book proof yesterday in the mail on our fourth anthology book. So it looks great. It's a book proof right now. It's going to the printer this week and we hope to have it in hand in the office in September. It's our fourth anthology and the reason I mention it is 
If you're curious about this work, these are incredibly beautiful true stories written by my practitioners, graduates, students, and staff about how this work has changed their life or things that they've seen. It might be work with me personally. It might be work they've done as a practitioner. They're very moving stories and they're a lot of fun to read what the horses have done and how they show up and how they do this healing. So we're excited about Anthology 4 and happy to get you a copy. Thank you again to HopeThroughHorses.com. Hope Through Horses is our sponsor for part of our podcast and we appreciate their support not only for this podcast but also for sometimes our graduates things that they need to be able to provide their services to others as well as sometimes some scholarships to help people to come in and get training with us we are right now taking applications for our January training class for the equine gestalt coaching method we are close to halfway full for January so if you have any interest in this training for 2023, please get your application in now or request a handbook from us and we'll get it out to you. We will definitely be full uh, early for our 23 class. We take another one July of 2023. So if you have an interest in that, let us know. Baby, thanks for doing this with me. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Yeah, You didn't grow up with a ton of rules from your mom and dad, did you? No. Not a lot of rules. That's that's why I'm so bad. No. You're not bad. You're not bad. But I mean, your family, I knew your dad really well. I didn't know your mom really well. I think they they set more examples than spoken exactly. rules. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, set yeah. more yeah. examples. But certainly niceness breeds niceness is a great one. So we will hang on to that. Thank you all so much for joining us. Yeah. We'll say goodbye. Bye. Happy trails, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.